I'm actually looking very forward to the next message on Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. It's just something I want to think, meditate on for a whole other week. Uh, Philippians 1, and we'll read verse 8 through 11. And uh, the title of this lesson will be Praying for Our Love. Praying for Our Love. Philippians 1, and let's read uh, verse 8 through 11. Uh, this is Paul writing to uh, the people there at Philippi, and uh, he states about what his prayer is for them, and he talks about their love. And so this is Paul's prayer for the church there, and so I think this is what we should be praying for ourselves. You know, if Paul prayed it for them, then I should be praying it for you as your pastor, and you should be praying it for yourselves, you should be praying it for me. I love the, the probably a great series, just the uh, Apostle Paul's prayers, you know, because he would say what he's praying for. And what a great model for us to learn how to pray for each other. Um, but Philippians 1, verse 8, For God is my witness. I, I couldn't hardly get past that because it's like, okay. I mean, he's, he's calling God as his witness to what he's about to say. And he says, how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. He said, the Lord knows. The Lord bear witness how much I, I love you guys, my affection for you guys. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more, he says, in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Let's pray. Father, help us tonight as we come unto your word, and I pray that I could be a blessing and encouragement to your people. And Father, I pray that you would help us as we look at this prayer and what Paul prayed for the people there. And I pray that it would bless and encourage us and teach us how to pray for others. Help it to be a reminder to me how to pray for your church. And help us, Lord, how to pray for ourselves. And that we would want this for ourselves as well, not just others. So help us, Lord, to learn how to pray regarding our love. In Jesus' name, amen. In these verses, we read again Paul's prayer for the people there. And he has great affection for them, and he says in verse 8 that he greatly longs for them. And so he, has, he yearns for them. He, he intensely craves after them. And, uh, and he says, with all the affection of Jesus Christ, and, and I think, uh, if I remember right, I didn't look it up, but I, I think the King James Version, that's where we might have one of those places where it talks about the, in the bowels of Jesus Christ or something like that. Um, it just describes his longing uh, for them uh, as, as Christ's longing for them. In other words, the yearnings of Christ was, was within him and, and flowed out to them. And, and, uh, and so I, I like that, that he can call God as his witness, that he has that kind of love and affection for them. Like, wow, can we say that for each other? Can we say, God is my witness. I, I yearn after you guys. I, I long after you guys with all the emotion and, and, and intensity of Christ. In me, I, I yearn after you and pray for you. You know, I, I want to be more like that. And, and we need to be like that for each other. Um, so he knew that his, his love was from God. His love was of Christ. And, 
And Christ, it was Christ in him as well that enabled him to long so greatly for them. Because he says, I long uh, for you with the affection of Christ. So the love of Christ in him came out to them. So he knew it was Christ in him that en enabled them to love them. And, he, and he's acknowledging that in that statement. And so because of, of such strong, divine, deep affection for them, he says this, and this I pray. So because of, of the love within him, the, in him, that the love of Christ and the longing for them, the yearning for them, the affection for them, and this I pray, a conjunction, and this I pray. So because of that love, he prays. Because of that love, he prays. And so you can really know a lot about how much you love people by really how much you pray for them. I and mean, who do you pray for the most? You pray for those you love the most. Let's just be honest. That, that, that's, just, that's just what we do. Um, you pray for your, your wife, your, your husband, your, your spouse, you know, your, your, your kids, your mom, your dad. You, know, you pray for your family. You pray for your close friends. You, know, you pray for the people you're close to. You pray for them the most. Um, that's not wrong. Uh, but we, we do need to branch out and, and love others and pray more for others. But, that, but because you love them, you, you pray for them. Um, and, and so you think back maybe about having a hard time praying for others. And, 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 and so maybe we, we need to look at our prayer life and, and see if we're not praying for others and, and we're honest about it, then, then what is it that we need? If, if we know we're not praying for our spouse or praying for other people or our friends or the lost in our family, what is it that we need? Do we just need to pray for them more? Well, yeah, we need to pray for them more, but I, I, would, I would challenge us to think that we need to love them more. Because I think the, the more we, we, we pray for our affection to be for them more and pray to love them more, the praying for them will happen. You, you know, I don't have to remind myself every morning, and, and, you know, I need to pray for my wife. You know, I need to pray for, I, it, it comes more naturally for those that you love and have affections for. And so when, when, when you love somebody, I believe you more naturally pray for them. You know, Paul has this great Christ-like love for them, so he prayed. So he prayed. And so if our prayer life is little for other people, then we, we have to, you know, go back to, well, what do we need to pray for? We, we need to pray for our love for them to be more what it ought to be. And then no doubt we will, it, praying will, will come more naturally. And so Paul has a love that comes from God for the people. But what does he pray for in regard to them? So uh, what does he pray for? He says that their love would abound, that their love may abound. So he, he loved them, and because he loved them, he prayed for their love to abound. And, and we're going to look at some characteristics of, of this love that he prayed for uh, regarding them. And he, he wanted their love to abound, meaning that he wanted to grow, he wanted to flourish. And... Um, and we, we need, to, need to identify really what this love is because our world, we know, is messed up on what love is. And so Paul gives us some guidelines to what mature godly love is. And I know there's a lot more in 1 Corinthians 13, but these just jump out at me at the time. But notice here that the love of God that, that moved Paul to pray for them did not pray that they would have riches on earth or prosperity in this world. It has nothing to do with that. Um, and I, so it makes me beg a question, what kind of, we love our kids, but what do we pray for regarding our kids? What do we pray for the most? We just pray they have a nice house, have a good job, you know, that, well, they stay healthy all the time. I want health. 
But what kind of spiritual things do we pray for them? What do we pray in regard to those that are saved, to the maturing of their faith? Do we pray that their love would abound? But that's what he prayed, because he loved them. His love for them was of Christ, and because his love was from Christ, he prayed for the right things for them. So he's moved by the love of God for them and, and prayed that their love would grow. Then he said that, that, they, that they would approve things that are excellent. If their love matured, then he knew that they would approve the right things. They would discern well. They would be filled with the fruits of righteousness. That, that's the kind of things he prayed for them. And so we want to look at some of this. Well, let, let's look at some of the things he prayed for regarding their love. Because he prayed that their love would abound. But then notice here, our first main thought, he says that their love would abound more and more. Then he says, in knowledge. And so he wanted them to have a love based on knowledge. Now, one of the best things we can pray for one another and for ourselves is that our love would abound, but that our love for Christ would abound and our love for others would abound in according to knowledge. Now, the greatest commandment is what? It's to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, to, to love others. Uh, we're taught that love fulfills the law of God. Uh, when we pray for one another, that, that our love would abound includes praying that we would grow in godliness. Because love obeys the Lord. You see, when you just pray for people's love to abound, you're praying for a lot of things. You're praying that their obedience would abound because through love we obey. You're praying for so many things. Whenever you pray, oh God, mature their love, grow their love, that their love would flourish. Sometimes, you know what, we're prone always to overcorrect, aren't we? Because the world is so focused on the word love that it has corrupted it and what it means and we can almost be afraid to talk about it very much. But, but we, want, we need to talk about it maybe more because we need to identify what real love is. Because the world doesn't do that for us. And so maybe we need to talk about it a little bit more so that we can know what it really is. And instead of being afraid to talk about it because the world talks about it so much already, but it's in a corrupt context. So we need to define and understand what it is because God's love fulfills the law of God. God's love obeys God. God, God's love in us grows in godliness. You know, there's really nothing better we can pray for one another than that our love would abound. Our love for Christ would abound. Our love for others would abound. Because Jesus said on those two commandments, ain't all the law. So praying our love would abound covers a whole gamut of a lot of things. If people are unfaithful or disobedient to the Lord in any way, what is it that they need? They need love for Jesus Christ because love of Christ overcomes disobedience. The more we love Him, the more faithful, obedient, and compassionate we become. Love is the key there. I, I know we know this, but there, there's something else we want, want to highlight here that, that Paul prays for very specifically in regard to the love. He, he wanted their love to abound yet more and more. Then he says, in knowledge and in all discernment or, or, or judgment. And so we need this abounding love, but it needs to be with intelligent affection, with knowledge. So we need to love with knowledge. You know, we got to know what to love because God doesn't love everything and know how to love. We need an intelligent affection. We need to know what and how to an abounding love doesn't just love everything and, and love in just any way. It has boundaries. It, it has guidelines. Um, 
it's important for us to understand this for, for many reasons. And, 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 and like I said, a, a lot because of our culture and how it, it doesn't uh, present the, the right proper mode of love. Um, I mean, we're, we're taught it doesn't matter. As long as people love each other, you know, what, what people do. And, and listen, that, that line of thinking didn't, didn't just start recently, folks. It, it didn't start thinking, you know, just with, 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 with the, the great advancement of the gay movement or anything like that. Uh, we can see this going years back, you know, uh, in, in regards to, to sexual immorality. You know, as long as people love each other, it's okay for them to live together. As long as it's okay to have sex, as long as you love each other. You know, like, it's like, like the whole free love thing, you know, and the free sex went right along with it. You know, as long as you love somebody, you know, to express your love and, and all of those things. And it's like, so we've been dealing with that kind of mindset for a really long time. And so love has been the reason for practicing sexual immorality for a long time, a long time. It's just getting worse. And that love can now be expressed in, in very, even more extreme ungodly manners in, in ways we don't even want to mention in public. And um, all in the name of love. Folks, love has to have knowledge, biblical knowledge, to, to guide us to know what real love is. Um, because we love people, or we say we love people, it never justifies our action. And so we've we got to realize that. You know, 1 Corinthians 13 says that, that love does not rejoice in iniquity. And so there's boundaries to love. There's, that we need knowledge of love. Um, the agape love, the kind of love we, we are to have for the ones we love, does not commit iniquity or desire iniquity or promote iniquity. To, to love people properly, we must love them intelligently in accordance to the knowledge of God's Word. And so, and so we have to love people with the knowledge that what He says is wrong is wrong. And, and, and love, like I said, is being used in our culture to justify things and make things acceptable or to approve of certain things. And I find it very interesting that when he talks about that their love may grow, he later says that you may approve the things that are excellent. In the name of love, we're trying to be forced sometimes to approve things that aren't excellent. In the name of love, we're being told we've got to approve or accept things that aren't excellent. Folks, that's not love, to approve things that aren't excellent. So we need to love with knowledge. When our love grows in accordance to a proper knowledge of, of the Word of God, then we'll make good judgment too. He says that you may approve things that, uh, that you may grow in knowledge and all discernment. And so let's look at that for a moment. A love that would approve things excellent. I want a love that's according to knowledge. I want to love the right things. I, I don't want to do anything that goes against the nature of God's love. Um, but this love, as it grows, as it abounds, it enables you to have discernment. He says more and more in knowledge and all discernment. And so this love that abounds makes you more discerning. But sometimes a love that is promoted makes us more open, almost in a sense, to where there is no discernment. And to make any kind of discernment, you know, you're not loving. But yet the love of God makes us to make more discernment. 
the love of God that Paul's praying for them makes them to be able to approve the things that are excellent. So they've got to make choices. They've got to decide about what is good, what is right, what is wrong. When our love is according to knowledge, then our judgment, our discernment will enable us to approve things that are excellent. Why are people approving things that are not excellent? Folks, they don't know the love of God. I'm not saying they're lost, but they're definitely not mature in God's love. When you are mature in God's love, you don't approve things that are ungodly. When we are mature in God's love and we're abounding in God's love, we know more of God's love and the love of God is in us, we don't approve things that are ungodly. We, don't, we approve things that are excellent. Excellent. So people put approval on, on so many things today that are not right. And, and why, we must ask ourselves. And they do it in the name of love. But that's not the love of God. People, we throw that word around so much. But in the name of love, if people are proving things that aren't right, it's not love. It's not. A mature Christian looks at certain things and just says, I can't love that. I can't. I can't approve that. I can't. Now, it's not that the flesh doesn't tempt you sometimes. I want it or crave it or even approve it. But the love of God within us tells us that it's right or, or wrong and uh, to, to not love certain things. Listen, our children are going to make a lot of decisions. They're going to be greatly challenged and told that they don't have love for others if they don't approve of certain things. And they're already being told that. However, they won't love God if they do approve of certain things. You got that? They're going to be told, you know, they got, you, you've got to do this if you're going to love people. But listen, it's, you're going to have to make a choice. They don't love God if they do approve of certain things. Well, we need to love people. We're taught to even love our enemies. Meaning we are to act charitably to all people. Always act charitably to all people. And express kindness and grace to all. But this does not mean we are to act in a way that says, I approve of your sin. We are called upon to approve things that are excellent. Now, when Paul is teaching them here to, to with what Paul is teaching them here, it really fits in so much with, with Romans 12, 1 and 2. I want to turn there and just read that. I know, I know you're very likely familiar with it, but it's always a good reminder here. It really does go well with this. Your love growing and approving what is right and good. Romans 12, 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may approve what is, is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Do you see what he's saying? Just, just surrender to the Lord. Make your body a living sacrifice. Put the world out of your mind and don't be conformed to it. Renew your mind. Why? So that you can prove what is good, what is acceptable, and perfect will of God. Folks, we get so much of the world in us. What happens? 
It affects our judgment. It affects our discernment. We've got to be careful. We must be careful not to be conformed by the world. The world wants to tell us what is right, how to think about everything that God says is wrong. We must be transformed or reprogrammed. Our minds need to be washed and renewed so that we can prove what is good and acceptable. How do people begin to accept things that are wrong? They're being programmed to think as the world thinks. You know, the world you know, acts like Christianity is, is holding the minds of people captive. Yet the world will not allow any kind of thinking other than that which goes against Christ. Who's captive? Who's the one captive? You know, our love must grow in knowledge of God's Word and of who He is so we make proper judgment. Then we will approve of that which is excellent. Now, very quickly, a love that is sincere. In Philippians 1.10, he said that they may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere. May be sincere. You know, in, in, in this uh, love, we need to make sure it's a sincere. Not just a love based on knowledge, right and wrong. Not just a love that, that, that makes right decisions, discernment and judgment, but a love that is sincere. A mature, abounding love is not just full of knowledge to guide us. A love that is abounding is not just able to, to discern right and wrong. If we really want an abounding love, it also has the element of sincerity with it. Sincere means being in reality what it appears to be. Not pretend, not feigned, not simulated. It's not fake, not assumed. Or said for the sake of appearance, you know. It's real, not hypocritical, not pretended. Sometimes people may know what is right, so they may say the right things. Um, but sometimes the world gets in them and there's not much sincerity. All of us can fall into the trap of pretending to love, and we don't want to be guilty of that. And, you know, Peter talks about that in 1 Peter 1, 22, talks about love unfeigned, or I think that's what it says in the King James Version, unfeigned, or love without hypocrisy. We don't want to put on a fake love. We want it to be real love, a love that is within, coming deep from, from a love of Christ that is within us. Not a love we just put on to, to make it look like we're loving, but pray earnestly that you have the genuine, sincere love of Christ in you and that you will love the right way, love and knowledge, love, make discernment, and, and, and the love that approves what is excellent. We need a love that is not fake. We need a love that is sincere, a love that flows from a heart that's been radically changed and walks with Christ. A love that flows from Christ to us and through us unto others. Now, I have found that as, as the love of God grows in us as believers, that the, the works of charity we do become greater with sincerity and pureness, and not just out of knowledge. Some things we do because we know what's right. But as our love grows and abounds, we grow in sincerity as we do what's right. And that's what I want.
I, want, I don't want to just do what's right. I want to grow in sincerity in what I'm doing. It will be done more because it's more reflective of who we're actually becoming. That is the person of Jesus Christ. It's His love in us. And that's what we want. That's what I pray. I pray tonight that our love for Jesus Christ would abound and flourish. For myself, I want that. For you, I want that. I want us to love each other like that. And, uh, and this is just a very small aspect of the love of God in us, but it just seemed very fitting. And, and so let us pray for one another like Paul did for them. And may our love grow in knowledge, our love grow in judgment, and may our love grow in sincerity. Father, use this tonight, this brief lesson. Cause our love here at New Testament Baptist Church to grow. Lord, all of us need to grow. All of us need to grow in love because love is the greatest thing. And it, the, your love is the greatest. And help us to grow in that love. It will help us to, Lord, um, to make discernment, to prove what is right. It will help us to be more sincere in our actions. And, uh, and, and help us, Father, to, to know your real love and what it is. And help us to express it to others. In Jesus' name, and amen.